Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. 2020 certainly has been a year to remember in more ways than one. And a person who can say that uh, better than any of us is Ken McMullen, the fire chief in the city of Red Deer, uh, named the 2020 Career Fire Chief of the Year by the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. Chief McMullen joins us uh, from Red Deer, Alberta. Welcome, Chief, to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Uh, what a wonderful opportunity. Uh, it's great to hear from you, although we didn't have a chance to see each other face to face. That'll be the first time in many, many years we haven't seen each other, Tom. So thanks for the invite. I think, you know, that's that's it's this week in particular when the Facebook reminders are coming back or the memories are coming back on everyone's phones of all the different times we've been together, all of us across Canada. And it's starting to sort of hit home now. I don't know if you feel the same way. Oh, most certainly. Uh, I guess for me, it may have been a little bit more of a reality check last week when we hosted the Canadian Fire Chiefs virtual. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, whether it was last week or this week, it certainly is bringing that reality home. Ken, tell us about the honor of uh, being fire chief of the year, uh, the career fire chief of the year. How does that how does that make you feel? Oh, wow. Uh, I think you and I know each other well enough to appreciate that I'm very seldom lost for words, but uh, th that I, I felt that way uh, 10 days ago when I was first notified uh, that I was the recipient of this year's career fire chief of the year. What a what a humbling uh, experience to say the least, uh, Tom. And 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 again, I think it's important to recognize that for the first time in, in my knowledge, which would be about 17 years, uh, the Fire Underwriters Survey decided to release the names of all nominees. And and wow, what a what a wonderful uh, decision to be made. I think that uh, COVID and 2020 has brought challenges to all fire services across Canada. And what was really uh, remarkable was to see the names of some of my greatest colleagues and mentors in this fire service also as nominees was probably the biggest shock to me uh, to to put my name up against the names of like I'd mentioned uh, mentors and friends of mine in the in the service uh, to then have been chosen amongst those folks as being uh, the career fire chief of the year uh, was really, really such an exceptional feeling. And and I really did mean it if you happen to hear my speech when I congratulated all of the nominees because in their own communities, they truly are the fire chief of the year for their own communities. I want to know, and I think that uh, on behalf of our audience today, that we want to know the Ken McMullen story. What, you know, a little bit of the bio. Where did you come from and how did you get to uh, to to today? Yeah, you bet. Uh, for me, it was 23 years ago, uh, Tom. I was working as a social worker, uh, and that was my educational and career uh, backgrounds before I started in the fire service. Uh, love people. Uh, I, I care about people, and I think that that's part of the fabric of who I am. And as a social worker, my wife and I moved out to a small community, uh, the village of Iracana, which was northeast of the city of Calgary. We decided that we wanted to move and raise a family in a smaller community. And of course, those communities, like so many across this country, rely on volunteer uh, firefighters. I made the decision uh, back in 1996 to join a volunteer fire service and do what, uh, again, so many of our, our Canadian uh, firefighters do, which was to volunteer and give back. 
um, I was very, very fortunate to work with some of the greatest leaders uh, of, of the service. Uh, fire Chief Pat Graham is his name, who was my first fire chief in the MD of Rocky View really took me under his wing and uh, he had previously been uh, a chief in, in Victoria and was in the Navy prior to that. And, and I tell you all that is because he was the mentor that, that set in, in place the motion of my career path, which was to start going down the fire prevention and investigation route. And, and I took all of my training uh, as a safety codes officer in investigations and inspections and public education. Uh, Pat Graham later went on to become the Alberta Fire Commissioner, and you may recall that uh, time frame, Tom. And, and at that time, perhaps coincidentally, perhaps the stars aligned, uh, they were looking for a fire investigator to work out of the Calgary area. And uh, naturally, I, I took that position as a provincial fire investigator. I uh, did, did several years of uh, doing investigations and inspections on behalf of the province of Alberta. Probably the greatest experiences uh, of my uh, 23 years in the service, again, uh, involved in some of the largest fire uh, losses, including fatalities uh, in the province of Alberta. However, there's a downside to that. I was living uh, mostly out of my van, mostly in hotels, and as a young father with a young family, uh, that that wore thin after after some time, and for me there was other opportunities to to continue on in the fire service, and I took uh, my emergency medical technician training and started to work uh, in the city of Airdrie, uh, and moved up the ranks in the city of Airdrie to become the assistant chief uh, in Airdrie, before moving to Calgary where I spent 10 years or the majority of my 23 years came from the Calgary Fire Department where I had the pleasure of being an assistant deputy chief. Uh, and uh, also spent some time in the Calgary Emergency Management Agency, where I uh, did a lot of work with Canada Task Force 2, which is one of the five heavy urban search and rescue teams in this country, where uh, if you recall some of my experiences with Fort McMurray and Slave Lake and the wildfires uh, in this province, uh, that experience was wearing the hat of Canada Task Force 2. All of that to bring me really where I am today, Tom. I know I, I've spoke a lot here, but two and a half years ago, I was given an opportunity to lead the City of Red Deer Emergency Services. And, and I know uh, I'm often called the fire chief, but, but respectfully, uh, I'm the chief of emergency services. And the reason there's a difference there is because I have the absolute pleasure of overseeing uh, firefighters, paramedics, as well as 911 dispatchers, uh, and, and everything that encompasses that, safety codes officers, fire training officers, mechanics, etc. But it really is when I have the opportunity to redo uh, the narrative of Red Deer Emergency Services, I really do want to represent the 222 men, men and women uh, that are firefighters, paramedics, dispatchers, uh, etc., etc. So uh, that that's uh, how I got here today, Tom, uh, and uh, have loved every step of it. Wow, like everyone, it's it's you think it's part of a certain plan, but the plan is only the beginning and it what falls into place, I think, that gets you where you are. Would you agree with that? hundred uh, percent. You just never know uh, where you're going to end up. Tell us about about Red Deer. Tell us about your community, some of the challenges that you face, some of the risks, the vulnerabilities. I know, you know, you, you don't know what to expect and you shouldn't expect, uh, you should expect the unexpected, I should say. Uh, you know, when you have a flood in downtown Calgary, which I never thought would ever happen, uh, that, that w w what, what could you face in Red Deer? What are the challenges? 
Well, we've got lots. Uh, we're, we're a lovely community of uh, about 106,000, and we, we grapple with our, our friends and neighbors in the city of Lethbridge, uh, depending on what day of the year. Uh, we are either the third most populated uh, city in Alberta, or we're the fourth by one or two, and, and I mean that sincerely. The numbers are that close between the city of Lethbridge and the city of Red Deer in, in a population base, but geographically, we have the privilege of being located right on Highway 2 in between the great cities of Calgary and Edmonton. And, and because of that corridor, obviously we have a great deal of traffic every single day of commuters that are either going to or from either of the two big cities of Calgary and Edmonton. As I mentioned, uh, we are very fortunate to run a dual paramedic firefighter service. So here in the city of Red Deer, uh, on any given day, we have fully advanced life support fire engines, as well as fully advanced life support ambulances that we operate. Uh, our ambulances, we operate on behalf of Alberta Health Services. So we are part of a regional uh, or provincial delivery service of, of ambulances. Uh, again, like many, many municipalities, uh, about 50% of our entire call volume is medical related. And uh, in addition to that, our medical first response, which is our engines that attend medical calls, uh, we do a great deal of medical first response calls uh, in this community. Some of the challenges uh, that we face in our particular community is a bit of a drug issue uh, within our community. Uh, I, I think part of that comes with the reality that we are centrally located in the province of Alberta and, and therefore uh, there, are, there are opportunities for people to find the middle of Alberta in our, in our sense between Calgary and Edmonton as a nice place to stop off uh, and so we certainly have some drug activity in our community. Uh, one that we are doing our very best to uh, react to when it comes to the overdoses and uh, narcotics within our community. I would say it, it certainly plays heavy and hard on our EMS providers. Uh, we have a homeless population in our community, uh, which would uh, certainly ravel in comparison to uh, some of the bigger cities, but for our case, the number of homeless folks in comparison to our overall population would appear to be higher than, than the average uh, of like-sized communities. I think uh, that for the most part, uh, in a nutshell, would be our uh, main issues. We do have some wildland urban interface uh, junctions within our community. Uh, so we are often doing risk assessments in those parts of our communities that have um, that high opportunities for a wildfire to enter our communities. Uh, and impact structures in a way that uh, not all communities have that uh, same same risk factor. Um, so that that's a little bit about uh, our city. As I mentioned, 226 staff, uh, fully duly trained paramedic firefighters uh, within our service. Is that unique to Alberta, having that medical model inside the fire service? So it, it's gone back and forth, and I know uh, some of your listeners will be familiar with uh, Alberta wasn't uh, running the ambulance service until about uh, 10 years ago and at such time they would make uh, contracts with service providers if that community wanted to offer paramedic uh, ambulance services. There's about five or six remaining today in all of Alberta so I think that that'll tell you that it's, it's a rarity. Um, it is a very uh, very effective delivery model meaning that at any given day any one of our staff could be on an ambulance or a fire truck 
Uh, and in addition to that, I think, as I mentioned earlier, the complementary portion of that is the fact that when we do a medical first response, not unlike any other community, however, our medical first response is a paramedic with the equipment and the medications to um, uh, put into action on a patient when an ambulance isn't there. Uh, so again, the difference between that and typical medical first response in other communities is uh, they would have a very limited scope of practice when that fire engine arrived with things beyond uh, oxygen and uh, your basic first aid. We have the ability with paramedics to actually utilize the paramedicine skills, uh, including drugs and uh, equipment to, to put on the patients. We've seen a lot of changes in the fire service. I mean, I've been around in this service as a volunteer back in 83. You've been around you know, say, saying since 96, what, uh, what do you think some of the bigger changes that you, that you've seen or we've seen over the years to our, to our business? Well, I think there's, there's probably two things if I were to just narrow it down. And one is, I believe that we are, we are certainly so much more of what we are calling the all hazards response. Uh, and, and I think that that's evolved. I think that uh, over the last 20 years, the all hazards and that definition have expanded. Uh, quite, quite honestly, uh, we are doing more now as far as responding to events that we hadn't done in the past. I think more and more fire services are also overseeing the responsibility of emergency management, albeit not all of us. Uh, I think it is the majority of us uh, have the ability of overseeing emergency management as part of our uh, portfolios. So I think that all hazards is, has probably been the change. Um, building construction and the flammability and the um, toxicity of fires today have obviously changed. And, and if it, when I talk about traditional construction or when we talk about heritage furniture in, in structures that you and I trained on uh, 25, 30 years ago, and the burn rate of that particular furniture is so much different than it is today. And, and so I, that just brings a different risk to those uh, that are fighting the fires or entering structures. I think the amount of time for structural stability uh, in, in a property has certainly reduced significantly over the last 10 years. And uh, so with all of that, I'm gonna couple this with my last statement is I believe the biggest change is the overall mental health impact or occupational stressors, whichever term you'd prefer to use, have been uh, significantly changed in the last 20 years. And one might argue that uh, the, the stressors are the same. You and I can debate whether that is true. I think that what has changed is the ability and the willingness to identify it, to talk about it, and to put in practice and, and processes, ways to address the occupational stressors and overall impact that are faced by the men and women of the Canadian Fire Service today. That was that wasn't an issue uh, a number of years ago. Uh, the mental side of, of things is is that the single biggest issue moving forward that we face, or would you see something else in the future? Well, I, I gosh, do I see something in the future? I wish we had that crystal ball. I wish uh, you know when we talk about technology, when you talk about um, vehicles running on their own uh, going down our highways, when you talk about uh, the types of construction, six-story wood frame constructions and higher, 
I think that we will continue to face and evolve and, and uh, we as a service will have to look at new ways of fighting fires or new ways of extinguishing vehicle uh, fires and how we extricate people from cars. I think that's all going to change uh, as it has done for, for our, our, our entire lives. To, to mental health, uh, I, I truly and strongly stand beside the fact that uh, there, there is an epidemic. I believe that the amount of people that are taking their own lives as a result of occupational stressors have never been higher. And as a result of that, I am committed uh, not only through the Canadian Fire Chiefs, but in, in, in affiliate organizations that I'm happy to represent on, uh, I am committed to ensure that we continue to advocate for better training, for better understanding, for better resources on that side of mental health. And I'll take that one step further, and that is what we have to continue to look at is the impact that the first responder has on their own personal lives outside of the workplace. And what I mean by that is what are the impacts that we have on our spouses and children simply as the result of the career that we have chosen and don't even know uh, what we are taking home uh, that our families are there then wearing on behalf of, of our chosen careers. You speak uh, of the of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. You were again acclaimed as a as a director on the CAFC board. Speak to the importance of uh, association involvement uh, at any level of the fire service, in provincial or at the national level. Well, and, and thank you. Uh, two things. Thank you for recognizing uh, my uh, my uh, position on the board once again. I'm thrilled to to help represent uh, this organization of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. But but I'm equally glad that you you coined the question in a, in, a, in a fashion that talked about associations uh, generally. Uh, and and so I'm going to tell you my my thoughts on that, and that is whether it is your provincial association, whether that is a uh, a fire investigators association, whether that is a, uh, a safety codes or a training officer association, I will always encourage people to get involved. Um, there is so much value in collaboration. There is so much knowledge sharing that goes on through the different working groups within your associations. And I would challenge and, and challenge our, our listeners to go one step beyond just being a member. Uh, it's one thing to be a member, it's one thing to get a, a, a magazine or access to a podcast, but it's something entirely different to truly be committed to an organization and committed to an association and find ways that you can make a difference. Um, and, and I think that there are many opportunities in the provincial associations, and I can certainly speak to some opportunities in the Canadian Association, of the, the variety of committees and working groups that we have out there. There's got to be one that'll, that'll pique the interest of every single one of our listeners. Uh, and, and your voice counts, your input counts. And whether you are a brand new volunteer firefighter or you are a 25-year career fire chief, uh, we all have something to add to these conversations, and I would strongly encourage all of you uh, to find some ability to take part in associations, uh, again, to your point, whether that's provincial, uh, federal, or even internationally. I've always, when I first got involved, for example, in the Canadian Association, I thought from the outside that was, that was, that was for the big chiefs, that was for the big cities, that was, uh, I didn't belong there, uh, talked into it by my provincial association to say you need to get involved and I'm 
certainly 10, 11 years later, glad that I did. I just to just to confirm and echo your your points that uh, you certainly do take a lot more away from from just the association and the knowledge and the, the the people that you are you're a part of, no matter the size of your department in Canada. You know, and and, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and I think what you had indicated there is those relationships, um, the relationships that that I've been able to form in the in the Canadian Association, are ones that that I rely on every single day. Uh, and, and that could be yourself in British Columbia. That could be our good friend Chief Steubing, uh in, in Halifax. That could be our friend Chief Peg in Toronto. I rely on these people often, weekly, daily, in some occasions. Um, the, the networking opportunities that we form as a part of our associations will forever uh, be of great value to you as an individual, whether again, you're a new chief, you wanna be a chief, or you're uh, looking to end your, your career as a chief, those relationships will always play a, an extremely vital role. It's a very small fire service when you get down to it, isn't it? It certainly is. I think the did, here. I guess I, I, I should. We talked about future. We talked about pie in the sky. Let's go back a bit, real quick. Ten years ago, did you see yourself sitting in this position? I did not. No, gosh. Which means that if you ask me where I see myself in ten years from now, I wouldn't have an answer for that either. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, you know, when you when you look back at at the things that we've done and the things that we're going to, you know, I, is there a single? We talked about mental health and we're kind of bouncing around, but. Is there a single issue on the horizon that we don't know about yet that that is that we have to be aware of coming coming our way? I think we've hit most of them. The one point we haven't talked about is this concept of a national fire advisor, and it's 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 a piece of work that the CAFC and others have talked about for many years. I do believe that there is a vital role going well beyond into the future of the necessity for a national voice uh, at the federal building, at an Ottawa location uh, that has the voice of the Canadian Fire Service at top of mind on every discussion, whether that's financial, whether that is staffing, whether that is emergency management, et cetera, et cetera. I, I strongly believe, uh, and our members have told us recently through surveys that they strongly support us continue to work on advocacy uh, for some sort of national fire advisor. The title is irrelevant at the moment, uh, but somebody there to represent this Canadian fire service at the highest level of government will, will only benefit us going into the future. What will it take to accomplish that? I think it'll 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 take more of what we're doing, which is conversations, really defining what it is that this role would do, what this role wouldn't do, uh, is also equally as important to identify, uh, and then continue to have it as top of mind, whether that is a provincial government relations conversations or a federal government relations conversations. I believe we have to really have our data, get it, get the facts ready, and uh, and start the conversations at every level that we can. On that, I say thank you, uh, Ken McMullen, the Chief of Emergency Services in Red Deer, Alberta. It's been a pleasure, uh, uh, and I really thank you for joining us today. I thank you. Uh, sincerely, I, I uh, very, very much appreciate you uh, recognizing uh, that I had something to provide to this conversation, and more importantly, recognizing me as the 2020 Career Fire Chief of the Year. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I apologize that we weren't able to see each other face-to-face, -face, but sincerely, uh, thank you for what you do and continue to do uh, yourself, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. 
Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.